This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Mary, how are you doing today? Refreshed, I hope. I am. I'm back from vacation. For those of you that listen to the show, you know that I have um, a hospice foster dog, and Tilly ran on the beach for miles, and it was just the the best week. I've came back very refreshed. I was in a meeting yesterday, and someone says, you look very relaxed. And I was like, well, it's Monday. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll see. I haven't worked recently. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. (laughs) So I'm feeling refreshed right now. Very good. We've got a, a really fun show lined up today. We're very excited to introduce our guest and get to our subject at hand. Joining us today in the studio, this is a, a rarity these days since uh, the pandemic, but we've got Andy Ross in the studio. Andy Ooh. is chaplain at Wake Med. Andy, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. I um, met Mary a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. at, uh, at Transitions. And uh, when she asked uh, me to come do this, I was just, I was jumping up and down. I am thrilled. Yeah. I'm I, so stoked to be here. And for those of you who weren't at Transitions, and maybe there's a few employees mm. that listen, but um, Andy came to um, our office and did a wonderful um, all staff meeting. And I thought the content was just something that everyone needs to hear. Um, it was something that was very um, touching and, and the the um, talk he gave was just, it moved me through my week very, um, and moved me into my vacation with Aww. a lot of intention. And yeah. I um, really appreciate that. So Andy, maybe you tell uh, our audience and listeners a little bit about yourself okay. and your role at Wake Med and okay. um, how you got started in your role. Yes. Well, um, before I entered Wake Med about 2020, uh, so January 2020. And before that, I had been an independent minister for years and years and years and years Uh, trying to scrape together a living. Um, So I was uh, writing a little bit, teaching a little bit, speaking a little bit, officiating weddings. So trying to pull together all this kind of funky, independent, progressive, ministerial type stuff. Never worked. I could never really find enough. I couldn't find my thing. Where's my place? You know, all those existential struggles. And so then I, I finally just gave up and gave in. Uh, I remember I did this thing called the Spirit Sessions. It was this huge, beautiful show of meditation and and message and music. And I was like, "This is gonna be it. This is gonna be the thing." And it failed triumphantly. It was. I mean, it failed wonderfully. So by the end of that, I was like, "You know what? I'm done." I'm going to stop trying to orchestrate my life like some kind of conductor. I'm going to stop trying to control everything. Uh, I'm just done. I'm, I'm done. I'm going to let go and release. And then a week later, I was in a coffee shop talking to a friend, and she said, you know what? You should be a chaplain. My friend Jim, our mutual friend, you should talk to him. He works at Wake Med. It's like, okay. That was November, and I began my uh, Wake Med chaplain internship in January. January like 2021. That. January 2020. 20, January 2020. So okay. three months BC, <laughs> before at least before the COVID that, I think I don't know if COVID was around before then, but before like the March when they said, oh, there's this illness. We're going to close schools for one week, and then it'll be fine. And so that's, that's when I began uh, at Wake Med, January 2020 as a chaplain intern. So then... COVID hits. It did. Were you still an intern? <laughs> yes, I was an intern for uh, 
four to six months through the beginning of the residency, the chaplain residency, which began in like the first of August. So yeah, for like two months, no masks, going around the hospital. I think I was on the orthopedic wing talking to folks like, you know what? I can do this. I can do this chaplain thing. I mean, it felt right, right away. It felt like mm-hmm. this is, this is it. This is, it's weird because I talk so much in my life and I always thought that somehow I'm going to make a living talking. And then I get this job where my job is to listen mm-hmm. and it feels more natural, which mm-hmm. is, which is very weird. So yeah, for two months, two or three months, it was just, you know, no masks, going through the day-to-day routine. And then all of a sudden this thing just happened and everything shifted. The hospital shifted. At first, it's weird. The hospital cleared out. Like uh, a lot of the employees left um, or a lot of like the kind of contract employees who didn't have to be there. No one was coming to the hospital. Like everyone cleared out Mm. and you're walking around in this mask in the midst of this mysterious illness that you have no idea what's going on or you know, I remember the first night being on call uh, when we we're on call as a chaplain. We we're on call overnight, and we respond to all the codes. And I remember calling my supervisor, like, "What do I do if like a trauma comes in, or if there's a code? Do I go? Do I do I do I get around people? Do I hunker mm-hmm. down? What do I do?" Because no one knew at the beginning, so that was March. And were you still in orthopedics at that point, or had you transitioned into a new position yet, or how? How? So you start COVID and mm-hmm. you're moving into residency or out of residency at this point. And and yes. what what is this first stage of COVID look like for you as a chaplain? Well, from March into like kind of late July, I actually did all my intern chaplain work in the ED and the emergency department because mm-hmm. all of our contract chaplains who did that kind of work like. Uh, the on-call chaplain responds to all the traumas, responds to all the codes. They're basically floating around the hospital trying to find the needs. Okay, mm-hmm. where are the needs, the immediate needs, the emergencies uh, that we can support and help with? So when all, when most of the contractors pulled away and said, okay, well, we are kind of nervous. We don't know if we need to be in the hospital. I just picked up all those shifts. So it's like, okay, well, I'll do my internship as an on-call chaplain. Mm. So from March until July, I was just doing those 12-hour on-call shifts. Wow responding to all the folks in the hospital. Um, Then, uh, you know, July is when it really peaked. July is when the first COVID spike happened, when Mm -hmm. it went from March, okay, this thing may be something, this thing, this mysterious illness could be, Mm -hmm. you know, bad, could Mm -hmm. be really, really bad. And then July was that first big spike where we were like, oh, oh, this is really bad. And it was during that spike that I transitioned from a chaplain intern to a chaplain resident and chose the COVID ICU, which was the cardiovascular ICU, which had become the COVID ICU, to do my residency and to be one of my primary units. So it was in that first spike that I said, okay, I'll go here. (laughs) You chose that. Yeah, why why that choice? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I think, one, because I have a general anxiety over the unknown, that kind of pulled me into it where other folks were like, okay, I don't want to be around this. I was like, well, I think I need to be around it. I think if I see it, if I'm right up next to it, if I'm within it, maybe I'll be able to personally deal with it better. And secondly, just, I don't know, it's hard to explain this kind of calling of, well, I think I need to be here. Mm -hmm. I think this is where I need to be. So I didn't have the intelligent nervousness, I guess, that other people had. Like maybe if I go into this ICU where all the sickest COVID patients are sent, maybe it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that kind of um, anxiety. I just had, I don't know, I just felt pulled. I like, mm-hmm. I think this is where I need to be. Of course, I had no idea what it would become mm-hmm. and how it would lead to my life now. 
Um, but yeah, I just felt like this is it. This is where I need to be. I think there was so much unknown at that time. Mm. You know, you just, we didn't know what it was doing. We didn't know. I feel, I, I can't imagine your experience in the hospital, but in uh, transitions, you don't, we didn't know. You know, you walk into a home, you just don't know. You go to the grocery store, you don't know. Yeah. What is going on? Like, how? talk to us a little bit about that feeling mm. during this time and your experience in, in the COVID unit. Well, I remember, you know, before the residency began, you know, I kind of skated around that unit. Uh, as soon as the residency started and I was in the unit every day, it was a very interesting and weird feeling. Like the unit itself was X'd off. Like if you can imagine a, a police barricade, you know, those, those yellow X's, there were like these X's, if I'm remembering correctly, there were these X's on all the doors. Like the two ways into the unit were blocked off. No one was going there. Like there were these signs that said go around. So if you're like um, a transport person in the hospital and you are pushing patients from one area to another, no one was going in this unit. So it was not only mysterious, it was mysterious and stay away. And mm -hmm. here I was voluntarily saying, okay, I will go into this and I will be with you guys and I will experience this with you. Um, so that's how it began for me, at least my personal experience, that I was going into this kind of mysterious mm -hmm. zone where no one else went to. And when you get in there, it's the same feeling you're getting from the doctors and the nurse and the staff. Like, okay, folks are coming in, they're really sick, and we don't really know how, why, or what's going to happen. Right, and, and, and no one at that point knew how to treat it either. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. just all around no one knew what to do in that yeah. first those first few months and I, I would love to talk to you more next about how the how that kind of transferred into we're starting to learn how to treat it we're starting to feel <laughs> yes. is this yeah. normal yeah. is this how do we move from stage one of covid into this next period yes. of um resiliency and building resiliency mm -hmm. during the unknown and and how do we move out of that into what is normal? What is normal? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to continue our conversation with Andy Ross. Andy's a chaplain at Wake Med. And man, it's kind of trippy going back through the COVID timeline yeah. and just remembering all these yes. little things. But uh, Andy's got a fascinating story, and we're going to continue that right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News talk traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, our guest in the studio. Yes, live and in person in the studio. This <laughs> yeah. is great. We've got Andy Ross. Andy is a chaplain mm -hmm. at Wake Med, and uh, we're kind of going back through the timeline of COVID, which is uh, almost a surreal experience. It feels like this was 10 years ago, not just about two and a half. But uh, we're we're sort of at this point, uh, we're calling it, we're at the end of phase one mm. of Andy's mm. story where mm. he has decided to become a chaplain. He's completed his internship and that kind of happened 
uh, right as, not as COVID, mm-hmm. not as the lockdown began, but mm-hmm. when COVID sort of began to spike. Yes. So yes. you've, we we're calling that phase one. What would okay. you say is phase two? So I enter the ICU around that first spike, uh, the end of July, beginning of August, and it's it's mysterious. Um, no one really knows what's going on. Everyone's staying away from this ICU. And then, you know, it dips down. You know, the, after the first spike, you know, with with every spike, after a spike, there's going to be a dip. Of course there's going to be. So at, during the first dip, we're like, okay, we got through it. We managed. Um and then right after Christmas, they, they thought it was going to spike again, and it did. And it spiked you know, twice as high. And somehow we made it through that. And then I want to highlight this one moment. It was in, I want to say February, March-ish of 2021, where we had zero COVID patients. They did this parade. Like, they did this parade where all the patients kind of walked out. Like, the final patient was escorted out of the ICU in this big cheer. We did it. We made it through. And then... Delta. And Delta is really what I consider phase two. And I don't know if you've ever read or heard of Dante's Inferno. Um, it's this classic piece. It's very hard to read in this. It's just, it's just hard to read. But, you know, when he comes to the Inferno, when he comes to hell, one of the layers of hell, there's a sign above the gate that says, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. And that's what Delta felt like. Delta felt like an inferno. Once you made it uh, to the ICU, if you made it to the COVID ICU during Delta, the chance of survival was, I'm not very good with numbers and statistics, but it was pretty low. A lot of folks were dying. A lot of folks were coming in. They would follow the standard progression where they'd come in, the oxygen would drop, they'd get put on the nasal cannula, they'd get put on the the BiPAP. I'm not a doctor, so please forgive me for all these terms. Um, <laughs> then they would be intubated, and then they would be um, traked with a trach collar. And then slowly, um, over a course of a couple of weeks, they would decide to take them off, and they would slowly pass away. So that was the trajectory of so many of the patients during Delta. You know, from what, from what I heard of nurses, from what I heard from um, doctors, it was still a mysterious illness, but it was attacking everything. It was doing something that, you know, at first it came out like, oh, it's just a cold. They're like, no, no, no. It attacks the body. It finds the thing that's wrong with you. It finds the one thing that maybe is laying dormant in your system, and it attacks that. And then that's what inevitably um, kills you if it does. So during Delta, I mean, I remember one day specifically, um, this memory is as etched in my mind. I can feel every moment of it, where I went to three terminal extubations in a row. And a terminal extubation is we're taking this patient off of life support and we are pretty certain that um, the end of life is imminent. So I go to one, you know, I gown up, of course, you know, when we're in the COVID rooms, we're wearing all the, the, the pappers and the gloves and the booties and all that stuff. I gown up, I go in, I pray, um, there's a death. I go to the next room, I gown up and pray, there's a death. I go to the next room, I gown up and pray, there's a death. And there was three deaths probably within, you know, 30 minutes. And that was normal during that time. So during this time that I'm calling the Inferno, this is when the staff, the nurses, the doctors, I mean, you could see it on their faces. You could see the look of desperation. Um, Mary, you work, you know, in hospice and palliative care. Um, I heard the term hospice a lot. Like, this ICU is a hospice now. Patients come in. Uh, the nurses who are surviving it and making it through somewhat healthily are saying, okay, I know they're going to die. How can I help them to die with dignity? Uh, but that's what it felt like, this uh, this period of desperation where – 
it's just hard to explain the vibe in the ICU and nurses like, how are you today? I'm okay. Okay, how are you today? Not good. You know, I cry on the way home. I have nightmares. And that's what the um, staff were going through at the time. Are you only able to interact with the staff at this point? Because, I mean, most patients, I, I think even their families aren't even allowed to be with them at this point in the timeline. So what is their interaction with you or what is your interaction with them? Very good question, because that makes it even more difficult. In the very beginning of the pandemic, uh, during the myster- the very mysterious phase, uh, families weren't let in at all. So you have patients who come in who are, and imagine being a patient. You come in, mysterious illness, you're isolated, you're on oxygen. Everyone who comes in is gowned up like some kind of creepy outbreak movie, which I think there's a movie called Outbreak, yeah. where they wore that stuff. <laughs> and you're only talking to your family maybe on an iPad, and the nurses are only talking to families via the telephone. So even the families are separated. So the only time I saw the families in the beginning was at the time of death. So the families were allowed to come in. They would gown up, walk into the room, you know, be escorted into the room, say goodbye, and then walk out. So my interaction with the families and the nurses' interaction with the families was very brief. During Delta, they started allowing one family member in. So one at a time, if you left the room to use the bathroom, you had one chance, maybe one chance, maybe two chances during the day to go out of the room and come back in. You couldn't switch, so it could be like, okay, your mom can come in, then your son can come in, as long as it's one at a time. One person every 24 hours, period. And so now you're starting to interact with families, and they don't know what's going on. They're clinging to hope, the patients are clinging to hope, but they're still very, to your point, there's still very, very limited interaction. So not only now do we have this mysterious disease, we have this mysterious disease that just happens to be killing all these people. So that's when it got really, really hard. Where do you find hope? How do you, how do you when you're interacting with the staff, the patients, the families, go on to the next day? Where are you finding that? Well, for me, um, and I think my, what has become my primary job, the way I understand chaplaincy, the way I understand uh, the work that we do as chaplains is you just show up. You just keep showing up. I think from the beginning, my choice to show up and support and be there and go in the rooms and be, you know, I guess you call it on the front lines, to be there was the only thing I could do, um, was just to keep showing up day by day to keep showing up. And for me, hope is not something you can explain to someone. So you can't say, okay, hey, nurse, RN, staff member. You know, how are you doing today? I'm not doing good. I'm suffering. I don't know how to get through this. You can't say, okay, well, here's your prescription for hope. <laughs> no, you just have to allow them to be in that place. It was a dark place, and you have to allow them to be in that dark place. You know, hope exists, I believe, you know, as the saying goes, hope springs eternal. It's always available to us. It just gets lost. We just lose it. So I think the best we can do is walk beside someone. You know, I have that, that, that trite religious image of the footprints in the sand where you're walking in the sand and you look back and there's two sets of footprints and someone's walking beside you. But I think that's it. I think we show up and we keep showing up and we say, you know what? This sucks. This, dark, this is dark, but I promise you we're in this together. I'm not going to leave you. You're not going to leave me. We are in this thing together. Mm-hmm. And wherever that hope is, I think we can find it, but we can only find it together. Mm. How, how do you move on then from this stage, the inferno, to the next stage? What's next? Well, there, I mean, of course there's a natural progression. There's a scientific progression. You know, I, I, I come from a very you know, spiritually grounded background. Um, uh, you know, the scientific perspective is, of course, you know, 
we start to understand the disease, we get mm -hmm. vaccinated. Um, so as this starts to increase, and of course, in the background, we have to acknowledge that in the background, while nurses are going through this, there's this whole kind of political, cultural, mm -hmm. economic struggle going on outside of the hospital where you're going to work every day and trying to deal with this. And people are outside the hospital arguing with whether it's right or wrong. And they're just like, I'm just trying to get through and keep your father alive. I mean, I don't, you mm -hmm. know, that's all I can do. Um, so as, you know, as we began to get vaccinated, as you know, the intensity started to drop a little bit, you know, um, Delta, as things always do, and this is part of, you know, enduring, this is part of walking beside someone is knowing that nothing lasts forever. Even the worst things, you know, we look back at the Spanish flu, it was two years long. And as COVID begins, like, oh, it's not going to be two years, but it was about two years. I mean, th nothing lasts forever. So the intensity naturally dropped after mm -hmm. Delta, sprang up again in Omicron. Omicron, I think, was January, January 2020. Two was that this year? Yeah, man, this year. <laughs> Omicron, Omicron is weird. Omicron's when all the nurses and the staff started getting sick. The intensity wasn't as high because folks were getting vaccinated. If mm -hmm. you didn't have these underlying conditions that COVID likes to attack, which sometimes you just don't know you have, I could have. Mm -hmm. um, if you if you were relatively healthy and vaccinated, you started to feel a little more comfortable. All the nurses at this time were getting it, and you know the hospital kind of emptied out in the other half. Mm -hmm. You know, like all the um, the staff were getting it. But it wasn't as intense. The hospital was full. It was at capacity, which strains everything. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole other conversation about the stage of healthcare now where everyone is strained. But the intensity begins to drop. And when the intensity begins to drop and you have that moment, that space of what the <laughs> crap just <laughs> happened, that's when the real PTSD, that's when the real... That's when you really begin to understand it and try to move through it. Because during the periods before this, the first, second stage, you were just in survival mode. Yeah, you don't and have especially time to Delta, process. You're in survival yeah. mode. So as the intensity begins to drop, then you can step back and go, what just happened? Mm -hmm. What did I just go through? And how do I move forward? How do I move on? So the next stage is really that what just happened? What is happening? And we're moving into what is normal. Like what, what, like what is our life going to be like? Mm -hmm. Is this it? Is this what it's going to be like? what is normal we're going to get into that we've got to take a quick break here we're talking with andy ross andy is a chaplain at wake med and we're getting his story of of COVID and the journey and what is the new normal that's what we're going to get into next so stick around you're listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care it's your life your care on fm 98.5 am 680 wptf news talk traffic This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest in the studio is Andy Ross. Andy is chaplain at Wake Med. And, you know, we're, we're raising this discussion here mary about what is the new normal and andy's been sharing his story of what his experience was like he started at 
Wake met as a chaplain, an intern chaplain, in January of 2020 and his experience of going through this COVID journey. And this is just, I don't know, it's, it's, mm. I feel like it's a lot just to listen to this story. I can't mm-hmm. imagine, Mary, what it would have been like to actually experience this. I, really. I cannot imagine. And the work that you do, Andy, and your team at WakeMed is just heroic. The efforts that, yeah. that your team has and everyone at WakeMed yeah. has really put in over the last year. And all healthcare workers, I think, has been a really tough journey. I feel like we're in midair, mm-hmm. though. We're <laughs> waiting for like yeah. this landing of yeah. what is normal yeah. and what do we do between where we were and the ground, like what, what is, where do (laughs) we land? You know, I think we're, there's just this weird point now where we're getting boosted. We're okay. Are we boosted? Are we like, what's, is this normal? Yes. And, um, first of all, you, you mentioned, I have to acknowledge the, you know, the people I work with and, you know, part of getting through this was working with such amazing staff, nurses, doctors, chaplains, um, EVS, I mean, I, EVS social workers, uh, your team at Transitions, who I work very, very close with, you know, showing up with them every day and walking beside them is part of what got, got us through it. But yeah, I mean, we're at this point now where, you know, numbers are starting to drop again after Omicron. At that point, you know, it's going to spike again. You're like, okay, what is the difference between a pandemic and endemic? Mm. Is this going to be always around? You know, what is normal? Is this normal? Like, is this my life? Because when you're in survival mode, there's a part of you in the back of your mind, hopefully down deep in your heart, that's saying, okay, this is not going to last forever. This, this thing I'm going through can't last forever. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to show up. I'm going to get through it. But then when it subsides, that's when you're left with the baggage and you're left with dealing with, you know, how do I, how do I understand what I went through? How do I move forward? Mm-hmm. And how do I do that in a world that's completely different now, that's completely mm-hmm. changed? And, you know, when COVID's going to keep showing up, it's going to, uh, you know, uh, the spikes are getting less intense, but it's going to be around. So I think the question is, you know, one, what is normal? And two, how do I deal with this new normal? I think that resiliency piece is Oof. where a lot of people struggle. And I know I do. You know, I you're not born with that. You have, (laughs) you you know, you can't, you're not just, yeah. Right. And I think COVID brought a lot of unexpected stress and adversity. Mm -hmm. And I think we all, everybody in this world went through something and how do you remain resilient and how do you continue on every day and, you know, get up in the morning, and this morning I went to the gym and I this, walked the dogs. Well, did and you I really? Feel, yeah, did you do that? I did, and I'm I like, did not look, go to the gym. Look this at morning. me this morning. Oh, oh my uh, goodness! But that took a lot. <laughs> I and had some a cup day- of coffee and <laughs> drove here. <laughs> and yeah. some days that takes a lot. It does. And yeah. I think <clears throat> through a, a pandemic or endemic, mm. and you're dealing with all these things, you have to build that. And I think that there's a lot of people, especially in healthcare today who are worn out, yes. they're burnt out, and they're, we're dealing with this new stage that there's a lot of, of trouble, yes. you know? It feels like the world is in a different place it now. Is. It is. It is. And I think you get to a point, you know, where you, you know, you're, you've been going through your life, you've been working out, you've been walking your dog, <laughs> you've been getting your coffee, driving to work. I don't do half those things. But you get to the point where you ask yourself, is this my life? And I think we've all been there. I mean, the groovy thing, I guess I can say groovy thing about COVID is we all went through it. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. I can talk about my story in the ICU, but as you've mentioned, like you, you look back like, oh, wow, 
I went through this and I lost this person and I got sick. And when I got sick, it wasn't too bad, but I was afraid the whole time. Or maybe it was bad. And, you know, I still have the, the brain fog and I don't know if I'm ever going to be the same. And, you know, you wake up one day after going through anything and uh, you're, you're in your life and you ask yourself, is this my life? Is this normal? Is this something I'm going to have to deal with? And if so, how do I find that resilience? Now, you, you pose an interesting question. Um, are we born with resilience? In a way, I think we are. You know, I think there's something about the human condition, about being human. I mean, you, you talk about COVID, but look back before COVID. There's, I mean, there's always something. There's always going to be something. Now, COVID was intense, and we never want to deny the intensity of a specific experience, but there's always going to be something. But there's something about the human condition that's just resilient. We adapt and we move on. We adapt and we move on and we reflect and we learn and we reflect and we learn and we grow. And it's about tapping in to what I believe that place in us where hope lives, that place in us where resilience lives that no one can take away from you. You know, things like COVID, they tend to, ooh, ooh, I got a good, I got a good analogy. Oh, I love analogies. <laughs> How do you guys, do you guys like analogies? Yes. Okay. Like a well. There's a well and, you know, at the, the bottom of the well, there's this water. And let's just call the water hope. And um, the water's always there. It springs naturally from the, you know, the bowels of the earth. Um, but over time, crap just gets thrown in the well. Like life just is constantly dumping dirt and covering it up. And so our job is to keep digging. Our job is to find a way, find that thing. And maybe, Mary, for you, it's working out and walking the dog and mm. letting your dog <laughs> run along the beach. And maybe for me, it's coffee on the porch and reading and not doing those things. But you find that thing that helps you dig. That You find that thing that, that digs down and accesses that place. And you can't tell anybody what it is. But what's the thing for you that when you do that thing, when you engage in that activity... It just, it brings this feeling of, you know what? If this is normal, okay. I think this is okay. I think this is going to be okay. When you start to access that, you realize that, okay, I can get through this. I can get through anything. You know, and you look at the people around you and say, okay, we're going to do this together. You know? Mm. Yeah. Is there any point in this <sighs> journey through COVID that you woke up and you were thinking, I <laughs> Today's the day I, I made the wrong decision here. Uh, <laughs> honestly, honestly, no. I mean, call me crazy, but, you know, chaplaincy, you know, sitting with people, there's a, oh, I know, I'm so sorry, analogies. You know, the, the, one of the, the, the teachers that I worked with, I'm going to call her out, Marianne, um, one of the teachers I worked with uh, had this beautiful picture of a fire. You know, there's a fire and everyone runs from it except the fire people, the firemen and the firewomen. They run toward it, you know, and then they put it out. You know, chaplaincy is like that. Everyone's running away from suffering, and we run to it. But instead of putting it out, we just sit there in the fire, and we exist in it. And for me, there's something fulfilling about that. So I've, you know, I have found so much darkness, so much pain through this experience of COVID, but also so much fulfillment, so much purpose, and being with people in the most vulnerable moments of their lives. You know, when you walk into a room, a hospital room, or whatever kind of room, and um, I'm sure the people you work with at Transitions uh, feel this as well, when you walk in, when you are invited into the most vulnerable part, uh, time of a person's life, there's something sacred about that. So for me, I found so much fulfillment 
in my time there. And that was my joy. That was my hope. That was the wellspring of water for me. I'm just going to keep showing up. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to enter into this. I'm going to be vulnerable so that I can invite vulnerability. And through that, I will persevere. And family, friends, and love, and coffee. (laughs) Lots (laughs) and lots of coffee. (laughs) That is the voice of Andy Ross. Andy is a chaplain at Wake Med, and we're going to continue our conversation with him right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, our guest in the studio, is Andy Ross. Andy's a chaplain at Wake Med, and we're having a conversation about the new normal. And, you know, that's, I guess, kind of relative to everyone. But, mm. you know, we, we were talking during the break about some things about the new normal that we like <laughs> and that we, we don't like. And it's, it's just strange. Yeah. And I've, I, I guess it's always going to be evolving. You know, yeah. I, I don't think it's just a, a set marker where we say, okay, this is it. Everything okay. stopped changing. I think we're good now. Yeah, it, yeah. I think I think we've had enough change. <laughs> I think I'm just going to go and live my life and just as nothing's ever going to happen again. No. Yeah, yeah. that's not how it is. Yeah. I, I think and I feel like we're all in a hurry now. We're just in a uh. frenzy to get things done. People are living Mm. life differently. You know, Mm -hmm. I just spent the last week at the beach on a family vacation, Uh which was so lovely. Dogs. Um, Did you work out? Did you work out? I did not work out. Okay. I was about to say, that would just just make me No, I did none of that. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I I was coming back and I was talking to uh, my brother's wife and... And she's and I was like, man, I have to go back to work on Monday. No offense, transitions, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Um, yeah, and is, so I was, I, I was uh, talking to her about that, yeah. and I said, I'm just so relaxed right now. I feel like my blood yeah. pressure is normal. Like everything is good. I'm breathing. I'm, you know, I feel like I had a great week. Mm. And she was like, well, just live that into the next week. And she's like, just keep going with that mindset. Yeah. And. And you can do things differently, Mary, and you don't have to say yes to everything, and you don't have to do all the things that you do. You can live the way you've been living for the last week in your real life. Just take that back. And I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? No, 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 no. There's vacation, there's weekends, and then there's work. Yes. They're not the same. No, and but I've... I really thought about that, and shout out to Gray, my brother's wife, for making me think about that. Um, but I just think we're living differently now. Mm-hmm. I think people are just go, go, go. We, we, we're robots, yeah. you know? And I don't know if that's losing the hope yeah. or the resiliency mm-hmm. is st- stretched. Yeah. Um, or We're all a little bit stretched, maybe. Yeah. Um, but where do you find the warm fuzzies? That's a great question. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things about, we, we've been talking about human nature a little bit, and one of the things about human nature is our uh, tenacity to pack things in, you know, to judge our lives by how much we can get done. And one of the things that, I mean, it's weird that COVID happens and all of a sudden all this technology we've been building around our society, 
all of a sudden we can use it now and we can do everything through Zoom and WebEx and, mm-hmm. and Teams and all that. We never have to be and you know, we talked about this. We never have to be in a room with the person again. And if I don't have to travel, if I don't have to, you know, come to see you, I can pack so many meetings into my day. Mm-hmm. And but just because you can do something, just because you can pack your day full doesn't mean you necessarily should mm-hmm. or that it's good for you. So I think um you know, one thing about the warm fuzzies is understanding balance in life and that, you know what, I don't have to wait for a vacation or the weekend to find that wellspring. I don't have to do that. I can find it during my day. I don't have to pack my day full of meetings. In fact, if I have a meeting with you and I, you know, and there's a way I can be in a room with you, maybe if maybe that would increase my wellspring of joy. Say, you know what, let me just come over to your office and let's talk so that we can be in the same room and connect together. But during your day, if you prioritize, like you talked about where are the warm fuzzies, the fuzzies, and I just love that term, where are the warm fuzzies, the fuzzies, that's the place inside you that ignites when you're doing something joyful. And a lot of times it comes through work because we find so much purpose in purpose-driven work. So when you're doing something where your soul, like the soul, that place where the eternal and the temporal meet, and we won't get into all that kind of theology, which I love, which we could if you wanted to. Uh, but that place where those meet, it just ignites, and you're like, this is it. This is what life's about. And that's important. So going throughout your day, you know, waking up and exercising or taking a walk or having lunch outside, these things are as important, if not more important, than those Teams meetings and those WebEx meetings because that's what life is. Life is a balance of giving, of producing, and of consuming and of taking. And and by consuming, I mean consuming joy and consuming life and, Mm -hmm. and consuming the moment and accepting what is. So I think part of it is, just because we can do so much in our day, just because we can hurry through our day, just just because we can pack it full, doesn't mean that's the best for us. Mm-hmm. We got to find that balance, and we got to find that place that that thing that ignites us, and do it every single day. It's a prescription. Wow. <laughs> okay, I'm cutting off the Zoom. Here, here it, everybody. <laughs> it's not that here it transitions. Bad. It's very convenient. This, I mean, it's convenient. Absolutely. It's convenient. Convenience is good, but. You know, I mean, there's other things in life. I think that there, yeah. uh, something I'm taking away from this and, and listening to you talk, we were talking at the, uh, at the break about some of the support groups you're doing mm. um, at Wake Med still uh, for COVID survivors. I think the silver lining of all of this pain and chaos we've been through for the last few years is that we're in it together. Ooh, and you mentioned this a little yeah. bit earlier in the show is that we're all, we've all experienced this now and there's a common thread there. How did you see community thrive in these situations? And also moving forward, I think that there's new communities. Like you were talking about your, the group that you do at Wake Med for COVID survivors. Talk to us a little bit, what is community now? Now I'm gonna go backwards and completely undo something I said. You know, one of the great things about technology is it's establishing new communities. And you can find community through technology, so that's a a wonderful thing. But I think community is a sense of togetherness. It's a sense of we don't have to be alone. There's a commonality to one, the human condition, to you know, being alive as human beings, you know, beyond just being alive and being connected to all things and all of nature and all of life, but There's a thing about being human that automatically connects us. You and I and you and I are automatically connected through the the gift of humanity. So community, you'll find that community is always around something. I love Star Wars. 
Anybody? anybody? No, no. Oh, yeah. No, I'm here. I'm here with you. <laughs> yeah. So there, I mean, there are communities all over the world dedicated to Star Wars. You know, we have this thing in common that we love, this mythology and this story that we love. And so you'll find that communities are always surrounding something. But that something is just a catalyst for connection. That something can be anything. You just find something that connects you. Uh, you mentioned this group that we're doing Life After COVID for COVID survivors. And these folks who have been through They've been to the inferno and back. They are the ones that, who survived illnesses and parts of COVID that seemed unsurvivable. And they get on these, the, I mean, it's, yes, it's a WebEx call. So because, I mean, we're all kind of all over the place and that's fine. We do what we can. But through connecting and through sharing their stories, there's this spark of, oh, you did it. So I can do it. Oh, you went through this. I went through this. Oh, you have brain fog. I have brain fog. Oh, you, you know, get up and do the laundry and then have to sit down and rest. I get up and do the laundry half of it and have to sit down and rest. So community is just a place where we find each other and connect through commonality. What's that thing that connects us? And the beautiful thing about being humans is we're connected by that, period. You have something in common with every human being on this planet, the blah, 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 billion of us. I don't know how many. There's a lot of us. <laughs> But you have a connection to everyone on this planet just through humanity, just through being human, going through this human condition together. So one of the things that COVID has done for us is it was a global disease. We went through it together. And there's something sacred and hopeful about that. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I feel that every day when I go to work and the community around me there yeah. and the community around me in my neighborhood and my friends and family and, and just feeling that and um, we have just a couple minutes left. What next? What 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 can you tell our listeners? Give us a little hope, <laughs> oh, no. Andy. Just give us the last uh, token of hope. <laughs> oh my goodness! You know, there's always going to be something. There's always going to be something. You know, if it's not if it's not COVID, there's going to be something you're going through. There's going to be ups and downs, peaks and valleys. You know, uh, it sounds trite, but from the peaks you can see in the distance, from the da valleys you can touch the earth. I mean, it's just how it is. But, you know, you have gone through it and you can get through it. This is what life is about. Life is a terrain and it's not always easy. But you can make it through just about anything. And we do it together. We do it one day at a time. We do it one moment at a time. If you can make it a moment, you can make it a lifetime of moments. So it's finding the people that uplift you. It's finding the people who walk beside you no matter what. It's finding the communities who... When you are with them, you feel uplifted, you feel encouraged. And it's finding those things, it's finding those activities that you engage in that dig deep into that wellspring of hope and make you say yes. You know, just walking outside in the morning, I do Tai Chi in the morning um, because it's not as strenuous as yoga. <laughs> That's why I do it. Every morning I walk outside and just taking a step into the morning, uh, to the breeze, into the morning, you know, the Tai Chi is fine. It's, it, it's a beautiful exercise, but it's just being outside. It's taking a moment in the morning to watch the day awaken. That's for me. That's something that encourages me every day. So it's finding those things. What are the things that bring you joy? What are the activities that bring you joy, that connect you? And who are the people that, you know, bring that alive in you? Where are your warm fuzzies? Here's a prescription for life. Do that every day. It's that simple. Find the thing you love and do it every single day. Even if it's for five minutes, you need to do that every single day. You have to eat every day. You have to breathe every day. You have to sleep every day. Why not do that thing that brings you joy every single day? And once you start that regimen, you'll find that 
the peaks seem more beautiful and the, the valleys seem softer, I guess, in a way. Andy, I'm going to have to find a reason to be at WakeMed every week just so I can get uh, <laughs> Don't take some interaction reason, with you. This, which this is has getting been really, wonderful. really sick. Uh, yes. I, I wish we had more time with you, but we do have to run here. Um, he is Andy Ross. He is the chaplain at WakeMed. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story in uh, such a, a beautiful way and for in, sharing with our, our listeners and the, our own community here yes. that we've learned, hey, we're all connected to. We are. We are. Well, that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.